If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. The sun is shining here and it's the third week of July and there's only six weeks to go before the end of the season. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be saying this because it's summer in Ontario and we have so little great weather that I should be enjoying every minute of it. But I sit most of my days in the office looking out over my fields at the back and not paying much attention to the weather. However, you must have noticed from my newsletter last week that it gets a little frustrating around here at times. And we've been hearing some really weird stuff from guests. And I know that People say we should write a book about this, and one day I will. When I retire, when that day comes and I decide I'm going to retire, put my feet up and sit with my laptop on lap and just write it all out. There's so many stories, things that are completely ridiculous or that we seem, we feel are ridiculous, that, uh, that I will pour out all that into a book one day. However, let's move on to what we're talking about today. As you listen to this, if it's on the day of publication... I'm scheduled to be sitting down in a room of lawyers to be deposed in a lawsuit filed by a guest who stayed at one of our rental properties uh, two years ago, in 2017. And I can't say much more about it than that, uh, although it appears to us that this is a frivolous slip and fall claim. And yeah, the claims for a million dollars in loss of income, loss of ability to do household tasks, that sort of thing. The claimant is actually in in her mid-80s. So as I say, I'm not going to say much more about it than that. I cannot. But it has cost us in terms of time and stress a lot. However, we are fully insured, as is the owner. And we have just done a very lengthy exercise to go to every single one of our owners to make sure that they are carrying full liability cover for short-term rental. And it's been quite a, an eye-opener for us to hear back from many of these owners who've said, yes, I've got, I've got insurance on my property. Of course I have. And then when we've pressed a little more to find out how they are insured for the short-term rental activities, we find that they are not, that they had simply considered that their home insurance would cover them for rental guests being there. Now, we have told them over and over again that this is not the case, that you have to have specific insurance to cover you for short-term rental activity. So we have since gone back to every one of them and said, this is why you have to have this. And bar one or two who are now no longer on a rental program, every one of our owners, we are satisfied, are covered by appropriate insurance that gives them good liability cover just in case one of these situations should happen. Because it's the type of claim that could occur to any host any owner, any manager at any time. A guest stumbles and falls and perhaps breaks a bone. 
They spend time in a medical facility. They've lost time enjoying their vacation. And they are going to want way, way more than a refund for their loss or a rebate for their lost time on holiday. Particularly if they engage one of the lawyers that advertise on TV, you know, no, no win, no fee. Nobody loses. Well, certainly the complainant doesn't lose if they contact one of these lawyers who says, yes, I can, I can win you X number of dollars. They're not going to turn that opportunity down because it's not costing them anything to do so. So it is so important to be covered just in case this type of thing happens. And I know, you know, if you watch TV, every evening we sit down and watch Jeopardy and it comes from a Detroit TV station. And the commercial break always has two or three ads for these types of lawyers. So it's getting more prevalent. You only have to drive along a city highway and see the billboards advertising these lawyers. So if somebody has a trip and fall, they are going to sue you, regardless of whether it's frivolous or not. So if you aren't covered, and if you're a manager, particularly of third-party properties, if you aren't covered with what's called an E&O policy, and we're going to be talking about this with my guest in a minute, you are in trouble because you as a manager will also be cited in that lawsuit. Even if you were nowhere near the property at the time, you have, as far as you're concerned, no responsibility for the tree stump in the garden or the broken paving slab. You will still be cited in that lawsuit. And if you don't have cover, then you could lose your business. So I'm not really going to be stepping off my soapbox here because I want you to know how serious this is. Now, for those of you who feel you are perfectly covered, stay tuned because I'm talking today to Kate Birch from Property Protect. And we're going to be talking about insurance, about the type of insurance you, sh- you should have, the type of insurance that is available and how to go about obtaining it. And we'll also cover some things that we need to talk about, like the possibility of these claims and what negligence is and how you can protect yourself against a claim being considered to be genuine. So without further ado, let's move on over to my conversation with Kate Birch. So I'm delighted to have with me today, Kate Birch from Property Protect, who's going to tell us all about insurance, why we need to be insured and why no host, owner or manager should ever be underinsured. Is that right, Kate? Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Heather, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, you have been in the vacation rental business a long time before you started in insurance side of it for vacation rentals. So could you give us a bit of a background? Because I know you've got properties all over the place. Sure. Yeah, I um, started as a Airbnb host in Hawaii and I had moved there and um, we rented a home that had an additional cottage on the property. And so um, being in Hawaii, you're kind of exposed to some of the Polynesian islands and close to Southeast Asia. And I asked our landlord if I was able to sublet the cottage and he agreed. And so there I set out on my hosting career and putting granola bars and fruit and orange juice and everything in the fridge and kitchen and waiting for my guests to arrive. And then I realized, oh, I got to automate some things a little bit better, you know, so things can be a little bit more streamlined. And from there... 
I was able to save enough money um, to purchase my first condo in Hawaii. And so I did that and had been doing well with that. The occupancy in Hawaii has been really consistent. And from there, I opened up an Airbnb in Hoi An, Vietnam. We purchased a home in Austin, Texas. And then we actually bought a second condo in Hawaii. And so I've been hosting about six years now. And insurance kind of came into play when a guest in my Austin home, um, his name was Frank, he uh, rented the house for South by Southwest, which is a big um, technology and music festival in Austin. And Frank likes to party a little bit too much. And he ended up urinating on my sofa, (laughs) which was... (laughs) An interesting experience. And so this is uh, four years now into me hosting, and I've never really had a big problem, any guests or any issues. And so I did all the things that the trust and safety team and, you know, instructed me to do, take pictures, get quotes or estimates, you know, message the guests directly, try to work it out. And two weeks went by and I didn't get a response from them. And I've got other guests coming in. I ended up having to purchase a new sofa out of pocket. And they sent me just a very brief email saying, we're going to reimburse you for $100. And I felt just very um, betrayed in a way because presenting these different properties to guests from all over the world. And I felt like they didn't really have my back when it came to the guests doing some damage. And in this instance, the guests even admitted to the damage. But because the booking platform is a merchant of record, um, they said, too bad. You take this hundred dollars and we're closing the claim. And that really scared me. So I started investigating into insurance because I, you know, had multiple properties and I couldn't handle financial aspects of it if, if this happens in multiple properties more often. And so I found out that there was only one or two insurance companies at the time offering products for short-term rental hosts or property managers. And having a marketing and tech background, um, partnered with some close friends of the family and insurance and we created property tech. That's a great story. Well, not so great about Frank, but <laughs> the, the journey to where you are now is very clear. You saw the need for something and then filled that niche. And I know there, I, there are other companies that are offering short-term rental insurance, but yours is, uh, is offered in a slightly different way. And we're going to come back towards the end of this interview and actually talk about, you know, what property protect offers. Uh, but I'd just like to kick off and, and talk about insurance. And I, I don't want people just tuning out because I've said that word. It's like insurance or accountancy. And people seem to go, okay, I'm just going to take a walk or I'm going to choose another podcast to listen to. But I think this is really, really important that we talk about why hosts, owners, and managers, and I bring managers into this for very specifically, and we'll, we'll be covering that, why all of these parties to a rental need to be in, insured. And, and I know I've, I've, ta- I've talked a little bit, and certainly in the introduction, I talked about liability. And then you've just talked about the other side of it, really, which is protecting an owner protecting their own property and their furniture and furnishings and the things that the OTAs just aren't covering in their claims to look after you. So let's kick off with what the what what would you say the major risks are that face an owner when they rent out their property? Because we're talking risk here, right? Sure. Yeah. And um, it's probably a host's worst nightmare is 
probably what you're going through right now with liability. And anybody would hate to have, first of all, the guest is on vacation, they saved up money, they paid you, you've got extra money now or, or new income or revenue, everybody's happy. You know, and then an incident happens. And whether it's their fault or your fault, you want to understand what type of coverage you have so you know what to do next. And having a liability claim, something you don't want to be on the reactive side of. You definitely want to know that, first of all, if the guest is okay, and second of all, how to protect yourself. And if you're a manager, how to protect your owner because you're acting as an operator on their behalf. So definitely looking at what types of liability you have and then also the coverage limits that are in place. So what about when we hear a lot about negligence? If an owner can be proved to be negligent, then a claim is more likely to be successful. So can you give any instances of what negligence might be, what it might look like? I can't pinpoint any for sure, but something that might just come off the top of my head is like a loose railing on a stairwell or um, they don't have, they have a very slippery tub and they don't have any grip uh, material on the bottom of the tub or the sidewalk is extremely slick and they don't do anything to slip proof the sidewalk. Just things that, you know, if you had your mom or grandma or family member walking around that you're not fixing because you're trying to save pennies and not actually looking out for the long term of the property and also the guests and the the traffic that's coming in and out of there. Other things could just be as simple as light bulbs and replacing those and, and just general maintenance on the property. Yeah, you make a great point about replacing a light bulb. It seems to be such a simple thing. But let's say a guest arrives at at night, there is no, you know, the the outdoor porch light has has failed. They trip over the step getting to the front door because they can't see. So I'm yeah. thinking that it's be under those circumstances that 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 perhaps a, a a claimant could say that the owner was negligent in not supplying a light source for them to, to, to prevent that happening. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when there's a light fixture there, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a light bulb maybe costs a dollar fifty these days. And you can get the led ones that run for a couple of years for yeah. $4. So things like that. It, it always, I remember last time we, we bought a new car a few years ago and I was flipping through the manual for it. And just about every page, there was this yellow highlighted spot and you'd read it and it would be some sort of safety thing. Like, you know, it would be talking about the, um, the sunroof and in this yellow shaded area, it would say standing up, and putting your head out of the sunroof can cause accidents and death, perhaps. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty common sense. If you're going to stand up and put your head out of the window, head out of the roof, and maybe you go under a low bridge, that could be pretty nasty. So isn't that common sense? But of course, you have to cover everything, don't you? That you could, you would probably consider to be common sense. Absolutely, because we also get guests from other countries and all over the world. And so something that could be common sense in one country could not be common sense in another. And we have a lot of guests from China, Japan, Korea, Australia, Canada, all over that come to our Hawaii properties. And we've had simple notes put in our places that are like, please don't put a rice cooker down the garbage disposal. It will overflow it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but to other people, they might think, you know, that it's a different type of machine and it operates differently. So there's different nuances and, and different tips you can do to just safeguard your property. Yes, that's safeguarding your property, but also safeguarding guests from liability claims. I mean, we on our, all our properties are on water, so they it's not like a swimming pool where you can put a fence around it. It's there's a dock out into a lake. You can't put a a fence around that dock. So on most of our docks, um, some people stencil at the end of the dock. No diving or jumping. Depth is so many feet. So a little bit like a swimming pool, but they just stencil it at the end of the dock. And it's just something simple like that. So if somebody dove off the end of a dock and and hurt themselves because it was only three feet deep. There's a difference between doing that when there's nothing there to tell them it's three feet deep and doing that when there is a sign which clearly states no diving or jumping, depth is three feet. Absolutely. So uh, it's just really, I think, you know, going around the property and thinking, what is it, what what could occur? And you mentioned when we were talking before we started to record, it's about being proactive and not reactive. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want that guest calling you and saying, where is the nearest urgent care? I just jumped off the dock and now I have to go get stitches in my forehead. That's, you know, the worst call you could possibly get as an owner. And so there's very simple little things that you can do just to have peace of mind when you're hosting as well, that the guests are going to be safe, that you've done everything you can to address any sort of risk and really to protect them so they can just enjoy themselves and not have to go down the road of a a scary liability claim later on. Yeah, cuz uh, you know, I know from from experience that it you know, it's it's time consuming and and stressful when you do have to do that because however however much you're insured, you are still going to have to go through the paper trail, collecting all the paper, doing the interviews, doing depositions, which is what I'm doing. And again, regardless of whether somebody's looking out for you, whether you've got this as we have, this team of lawyers who's who are taking care of it all, it's, you know, when I walk into that deposition, I know my heart's going to be pounding. I've, I've never been deposed before. And all I'm going to do is tell them how often we inspect the property. It's stressful and it doesn't need, it, that, that doesn't need to happen if you are always thinking about what might happen. Not always thinking about it, but, off, but, but think at some point about what could happen and making sure you put something in place to prevent it. We, we've had a number of issues over the years, um, Kate, where owners have, have not taken good care of, of these docks I've been talking about. And we had somebody put their foot right through a rotten plank last oh, year. No. Unfortunately, she didn't make a claim, but she was, she was quite badly hurt cuts to her leg and she didn't claim but it was yeah I remember getting that call and you've you've just got to be prepared for it and and that's what insurance is for so I know what what often what people ask me what owners ask me is and or say to me is that well I've got a landlord policy you know on my on my home policy it says I can, it has a, an area where it talks about rental and says I can rent. What is the difference between that sort of policy that has a rental aspect to it and short term rental cover? Sure. Um, it just kind of depends on the inclusions and exclusions. And a landlord policy assumes that you're renting your house on an annual basis. And there could be wording around a minimal amount of time or maximum amount of time that it's rented. A landlord policy and a short-term rental policy really don't have a difference. It just depends on what the exclusions are. 
But traditionally, landlord policies have been used for long-term rentals where they have annual tenants or, you know, tenants for six months plus, and then the tenants rotate out. It's not the higher volume, typical short-term rental activity that we see now. So is it, is, is this difference because it is this constant change of people coming in and out and not this constant of somebody being there for the entire, let's say, a period of a year? Correct. Yeah, you're having different guests come. Those guests also have family members or friends that are accompanying them. Sometimes they even bring pets. (laughs) There's a whole kit and caboodle that comes along with short-term rental versus a landlord policy where you might have one tenant for 12 months. You know that they have one dog and there's two occupants in the house. So it it just depends on, it's really worthwhile to any insurance that you're looking at to always review the inclusions and exclusions. And Unfortunately, insurance is a very gray, archaic industry, so it's not fun reading. I would definitely grab a cup of tea or wine (laughs) while you're reading the inclusions, exclusions section. But it's definitely worthwhile to make sure you fully understand what um, policy you're, you're enrolling for. So, so you're talking, you're you're telling people to read the small print. What, what do you, what should they be looking for in the exclusions? Are the things, you know, is there some wording that's there that might make them think, hey, this is probably not the right cover for me? Um, it just depends. Uh, there's so many different types of hosting these days where if you're hosting in your whole house or you're hosting as a room renter, but I would typically look for um, exclusions on days of occupancy, the named insured, who is, is, is the tenant, the named insured, is the named insured the only person that's insured being the mortgage holder or the owner. Also, if there's exclusions of liability or exclusions of medical, um, exclusions, legal fees. Insurance is, in in a very simple way, set up as a legal defense for you. And typically, it's not for these $100 claims, you know, every couple of months. It's set up in a way that if you have a claim of somebody accusing of an event that happened on your property, that you have a line of defense that is got your back. And so definitely look for those types of um, exclusions where you're feeling like, hey, this isn't going to protect me. It excludes dock. You have a waterfront property. You would want to make sure that your property fits um, all of the inclusions and not the exclusions as you're reviewing it. Oh, that's really good advice. So let, let's, I mean, we've talked about liability and I think I've probably exhausted that topic. I'm just hoping that everybody listening knows now that they've got to look at their rental cover and make sure that they do have liability cover. And what, what do you recommend? I mean, we, I think ours is 3 million Canadian, but I probably, I mean, would you be suggesting 2 million US in liability cover? Is that, is that a minimum or is that an average or what? Cities now are requiring for you to have a to get a permit to operate your short-term rental um, to have at least a million dollars in um, general liability. I personally, we have a two million dollar policy for our properties, mm-hmm. um, but you can even go up to five. Um, it just depends on how many properties you have, where they're located. If you've got a pool, all of these different items that could be considered liability. You know, a lot of people that include kayaks and boats and bikes and their and their um, rental listings that they are opening themselves up to different levels of liability just by offering those simple nice to have for the guests mm-hmm. but if a guest got hurt in their kayak or on their bike that exposes them to 
a lot of potential liability. And so for for that, I would say I would recommend at least a minimum of $1 million in liability. Yeah, that's good. That's what I'm going for. I mean, we, we, are, we are suggesting to our, our owners that they go for two in Canadian. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because all our properties <laughs> come with watercraft, so they all have canoes or kayaks or pedal boats or stand-up paddle boards. We do have a waiver of liability for use of watercraft, but we know in general that, as has often said, that waiver of liability is probably only as good as on the paper it's written, mm-hmm. but it's there. And I know when we, we're going through our current issue then that that the the lawyers did take our waiver of liability into account and that's uh, that's our hold uh, as a property management company it's it's different so we have a hold harmless clause that sort of separates us from the owner so that's within our management contract between us and the owner there is a hold harmless clause are you aware of those could you explain that what that means yeah, is is that is that a separate clause than your E and O yes, policy yes. that you're saying? So essentially, we had one when we had a property with a pool, and we it, the the clause that you're describing. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it's basically allowing the property manager to use the property as is, knowing that there will be people that will be using um, the pool or water path or lake, but you're acknowledging that you're doing everything in your power to keep the property up to spec and and safe um, and mitigate any risks, but it allows a separation of liability between the property manager and the owner. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And you explained it beautifully. Yes. So, you know, if you are listening and you are a property manager, that's what you'd be looking for to have in your contract with your owners. And and for many for many people that are co-hosting, I'm thinking that many probably don't even have a written contract. It's more of, of, of some more informal type of agreement, but it really is worthwhile having a proper agreement made up and notarized even and have this hold harmless clause in there because as Kate said, it's this sort of separation of liability. So and with that Property managers can also be added as an additional insured on the liability policies or vice versa. If you are a property manager, you can take out your own liability insurance, knowing that you're oper- this is your industry and this is the you know use of business, um, and you can list the owner on um, the, prop- the um, policy endorsement as well. So you know, not having a contract could open you up to medical bills, legal fees lawsuits among property management and owner companies. So having some sort of documentation in place is very critical. Mm -hmm. Yes. I am sort of stepping off (laughs) my soapbox now. (laughs) I think think we've covered this. Um, I want to talk about the types of claim like, like Frank. Okay. So a guest comes and they damage something. As as an owner, you're you're, you're unhappy about this. You you want to get the money back for it. At well, what point is it? Does it become reasonable to make a claim on a short term rental insurance policy? You know, a broken glass or a broken plate. Clearly, that's part of doing this business. But I'm always interested in, in wh- where do we get to that that switch over from the cost of doing business to hey, that's that's just gone a little bit too far, and now I'm going to bring in the insurance. Yeah, I think it's a fair question. 
personally, I have like a $500 threshold where if it's more than $500, that's when I start to take a look at the insurance coverage that we have. You're always going to have your makeup towels or the broken wine glasses or missing little pieces of decor that happens. It's just part of doing business. And you kind of have to set aside a small fund, just knowing that that's going to happen. We had people steal rolls of toilet paper in Hawaii, and then they had to take it with them on a plane, which boggles my mind. (laughs) But it happens. So I think one thing to keep in mind is there's different layers of insurance that you can get where you have a master policy. It covers your comprehensive structural general liability home content. The problem with only having that as your master policy is you have a thing called a clue report. And if you manage more than one property and, you know, you're making these small claims, sub $500, each of those claims go onto your clue report. And if you ever needed to get another type of insurance or you wanted to shop prices, those are all going to show up on your property's history. And so it's good to have a little bit of separation from the policies that you have so you can actually protect your main policy in terms of when somebody does do substantial damage, if there's $100,000 in damage, let's say they poured concrete in your pool or something, you know, that's when you file the claim, not for the missing towels or, you know, somebody stole your Dyson, <laughs> which would be really sad. <laughs> yeah, that's it's interesting because I, I have heard of, of, you know, people who want, you know, that they want to make a claim for something that's around about 50 to to $100. To me, that I mean, that's what the old damage deposit used to be for. And, right. you know, we used to take a $500 damage deposit. And basically, that, that was the deductible on your insurance. So you, you wouldn't be bothering to go through insurance for anything under $500, which is, is, is what you have just said. So what about, those, what about those smaller items under $500? Is it the cost of doing business? Um, you know, there's different products out there, and we're actually coming out with one end of this month um, where there is like a guest security deposit waiver, or you know, you, you mentioned your security deposit that you guys um, collect. It is and it isn't. If somebody breaks a glass, most of the time it's not intentional. If they're stealing something, or if you've got notices in your bathroom saying, please use the makeup wipes or the black towels to remove your makeup and not the white ones, that's a little bit more intentional. So I think it just, you have to gauge each event when it happens. But it also comes with vetting your guests as you bring them into your home. You definitely don't want to bring in 10 19-year-olds on spring break and expect that they're going to like respectable adults in your home. So it, it just depends on on the types of guests you have. Also, the location of the property, I think, determines of what the threshold of, of cost of doing business versus intentional damage would be. But um, ours is, is at 500. But I, I do believe in collecting the security deposit waiver. Yes, absolutely. As a, as a company, we, we have, I mean, we don't call it insurance, we call it our accidental damage protection plan. And, mm-hmm. and we charge our guests $7 a day. It used to be a four, it used to be, um, it was interesting, it used to be voluntary, and it was $49 a week or $49 per booking. And we did that for four or five years and built up a really nice fund that we could then use to give, you know, sort of, it was a discretionary fund. So if we wanted to refund somebody or give a rebate when something happened, we had that fund to enable us to do that. But what we did two years ago, we decided to make it number one compulsory that every guest would pay this. 
And secondly, we changed it to $7 a day because the majority of our, our breaks are seven days. So it would still be seven, uh, $49. However, we wanted to give those people who were coming for a weekend a break. So they would just have to pay $14, $14 for their weekend. However, for the people who came for three weeks, instead of, having, instead of just paying $49, they were paying the much higher rate for staying for three weeks. And that, do you know, we, we, we just did that overnight two years ago. We changed our policy and we have had one complaint about it. And we've probably done, I think, probably 3,000 rentals since then. And nobody seems to be bothered that they're now paying this additional fee to protect. Uh, well, what, it, what it is, is that we will cover them for up to $2,500 Canadian of accidental damage. And it, as long as they tell us while they're there. So it's a, it's a self-insurance, I guess. And go on. <laughs> I think a lot of guests, to kind of have peace of mind because they're there on a holiday, right? And they don't want to be bothered with what happens. What, you know, are you going to be able to replace it? Can you give me your credit card number? Oh, wait, can you also leave me a review? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the same time. So it gives them a sense of like, okay, this is taken care of. I don't need to worry about it. They're also insured. They've got peace of mind as the host or manager. And so I think it's a win-win on both sides. Yeah. Well, it, we've certainly covered a lot about insurance. I just wanted to talk about the sorts of apps that are available now for uh, to, to give sort of homeowners that little bit more protection. You know, um, I talked to Michael Dreger last week about home automation, and and he was talking about some of the platforms that they use and to do you know, to prevent or, or to to identify overcrowding, noise, etc. So we know about noise aware. There was a CO2, what I was quite interested, you can have a CO2 monitor that actually monitors the amount of CO2. So, oh, wow. That's uh, fancy. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people breathing in my property. There must be a party going on. <laughs> so, you know, what, how, how do you feel about those? Do you feel they are, they are useful and of value to um, hosts and owners to install? Absolutely. I love them. And I am a huge fan of Noise Aware and um, the evolution of their product from the individual device that is the hardware within the property to the software platform to the app that they have and, you know, how that can also coincide with the Ring Video products. I think in cities where you attract younger guests or places that are very vibrant, it's just extra protection mechanism that you should have in place to protect yourself. It also is a good neighboring type of tool. Um, I know a lot of cities complain about short-term rentals and how there's noise coming from them, you know, and if you've got one of these devices in place, you can manage that level a lot easier. As long as you disclose it in your listing and check-in guides, I, I'm a huge fan of them. And honestly, I think guests don't really care as long as it's mentioned. I think people get a little weirded out if they don't know that there's a camera looking at them in the kitchen. <laughs> Oh, I hope there's not a camera looking at them in the kitchen. <laughs> but yes, I mean we we we've been talking recently about uh, about cameras and you know providing they're they're on the exterior and they're looking out and then undisclosed. Then people have a choice as to whether they will stay there because they're, you know, they they know there's a camera. They can choose to stay or not. It's entirely up to them. So I, li I like that. And in fact, um, thinking about Noise Aware, I am into, um, David Krause from Noise Aware is my guest on the show next week. 
So this will be a useful move on because we're going to be talking about the Rent Responsibly program. Awesome. Give him a deep high five from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this industry because everybody knows everybody else. And it's, you know the, the networking that goes on is, is just phenomenal. I absolutely love it. This has been such a useful conversation, Kate. I'd like you to, um, to tell us now about Property Protect, what products that you have that can help um, owners, hosts and managers to, um, to get themselves covered. Sure. We started out about a year and a half ago with just an automated damage policy. And what that is, is just a simple $5 flat rate per day policy that syncs with your booking calendar and protects you up to $5,000 worth of home content damage. And that would include anything from appliances, decor, flooring, furniture, windows, anything on the inside of a dwelling. And we've been doing really well with that product. We have different types of hosts all over the U.S. from room rentals to whole home rentals, from $2 million New York flats to $99 per night homes in New Mexico. (laughs) So across the board, we're able to cover them. Um, Just this month, we are launching a few different new products because we realize that hosts need more than just the damage layer of protection. So we are getting ready to launch our commercial general liability product, which you will be able to enroll in on a monthly basis. And we have a discount for property managers that operate more than one property. So it's an initial enrollment. And then we add on each individual property with coverage limits from 1 million, I think up to 8 million is our max. And then we're also rolling out some security deposit waiver products, two different price points. I believe one is $39 for 1500 in coverage with a $0 deductible. And then the second is $49 for $3,000 in coverage with a $0 deductible. And those are both products that the guests would purchase. If there was a claim, the owner or a property manager would just call into our claims processing and get the claim started. And of course, all of these will be available on our site um, at mypropertyprotect.com. And um, we also offer fully comprehensive insurance. So if you do need the full kit and caboodle home structural home contents, we're able to, to get put for those two. That's wonderful. Do you have a, um, do you have a, a range of underwriters or are you just using one? We are a managing general agent. And so we have access to a pool of underwriters. Um, We're a Lloyd's cover holder, um, but we also have all sorts of different underwriters. We can do tiny homes. We can do modular homes, all all homes in the California fire uh, trail (laughs) all over the place. So um, we we actually get a lot of customers that are hard to insure places um, and they they still find our rates pretty reasonable. Oh, that's that's excellent. It was, you know, as uh, as we're recording this, of course, there is um, a tropical storm, Barry, moving into New Orleans, and there's already been a ton of flooding. And by the time this is published, I, you know, I, we will know how that impacted people. But, uh, you know, it, that, that was a question, really. You know, if, if you're in an area that tends to be impacted by these types of natural events, how difficult is it to get this cover? And you've sort of answered that a little. Do you want to just ex- expand on it? A little bit more. Sure. Yeah, we have a lot of properties in Florida, you know, where they have to get wind and hurricane riders. 
Um, and depending on how close you are to the intercoastal or how close you are to the ocean itself, there's different riders that you can choose to get in addition to your regular homeowner's policy that we're able to give you quotes on. Same thing with lava in Hawaii. You know, we have a lot of customers in Pahala um, that are also in the kind of lava path. And so there's different options that we can offer and different deductible structures. We definitely are a little bit more creative than most insurance agencies in terms of being able to find something that will work for you, but is also affordable because we know that that comes out of your bottom line when you're looking at all of the uh, financials with your rental and management company. That is great. I hadn't even thought about, you know, I think about fire and hurricanes and other storms and rain, and you don't think about lava. (laughs) (laughs) It's the sneaky one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, Kate, you've you've given us a great amount of information, and I'm sure everybody's really enjoyed this. How can people get a hold of you if they'd like to talk to you about insurance? Um, they can just email me at kate at mypropertyprotect.com, or they can go to our website, which is mypropertyprotect.com, and we have a little web chat that's on there, and that's actually connected to my phone. So you can chat directly with me there. And and I know that works because I was snooping around <laughs> my property protect last night just to get some information on uh, just some background information and Kate popped up and we had a little chat. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a little I, picture of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in love with these live chat things. We've I would far rather use a live chat on a site than any other method of communication or support. If there's live chat there, I'm using it. I love it. Absolutely. They're not abrasive. You can just ask questions away. You can drift off when you need to, you know. They're actually very convenient. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I and I I don't know about yours, but when we have somebody come in on live chat, that the lead goes directly into Active Campaign. <laughs> yep, we yes. have it connected to our CRM as well. Yeah, Kate, it's been wonderful talking with you. I'm. Are you going to whereabouts? Are you are you going to be? Is anybody going to be able to see you at a conference uh, in the near future? Yeah, I'm looking at attending the VRMA um, later this year, and I believe is there a summit this year that they're hosting. We're we're not doing a vacation rental success summit this year. Uh, probably the, ne- probably next year. But I, I know there's some other events going on. But uh, I will I'll be at uh, I'll be at VRMA. So you know hopefully we will we will catch up there with probably twelve hundred fifteen I don't know maybe two thousand now other networking folks. <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Kate, thanks. Thanks a lot. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and everything that we've talked about, you know, um, your web address and uh, email address and anything else will go on the show notes. So if anybody wants to, uh, to talk directly to Kate and you're not sure where, just go onto the show notes and you'll find all that information. And if you've got a question to ask, um, I would love it if you'd go onto the show notes and ask the question there and I'll ask Kate to go in and check occasionally to see if there's any questions that she can answer. Okay, that's it, Kate. Thanks so much. I'm, it's been a, a real pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Heather. The pleasure's been mine. So great to chat with you as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, got a lot out of that. Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing all that information. And I think it was just so useful. 
And I hope that if any of you out there who are not as insured as you'd like to be or are not insured at all, and particularly if you're property managers and if you're managing other people's properties, I want you to really consider going to Kate and and getting some information from her. And it was, you know, interesting when we were talking about this hold harmless clause that that we have in our management contract between ourselves and our owners. And I, I, it was nice that Kate was able to sort of explain to me what that is, because we've always had that clause in there. And, and I know in this current lawsuit that the lawyers asked if we had a hold harmless clause. And we said, yes, you know, the owner had signed this and they were, they were happy to see that. So if you don't know what this is all about, if, you know, particularly if you haven't got a contract between you and your owners, get in touch with me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com and I will share the contract that we currently have with you. Uh, it's not the best. I'm going to be doing, doing some changes on it in the next couple of months. But, uh, you know, I can certainly share some of, you know, what it is that we put in this contract. It has our rights and it has the rights and responsibilities of the owner and the rights and responsibilities of the manager. Lays it all out, much as our terms and conditions of rental do, the contract that we have between the owner and the guest. So if you haven't got a contract between you and your clients, your owner clients, and you're managing their properties, then you really need to think about this. And I'd be more than happy to help you get that organized. So as I said, if you want to talk to Kate and you've forgotten what her her address is, her URL and her email address, just go to the show notes and that information is on there and she will get back to you. And of course, if you contact me, I'll get back to you too. So I'd just like to thank you once again for taking your time to spend with me. And I'll look forward to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. 